Like, I could feel the fear in the room, but it wasn't, like, I was not in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not scared. I could sense that there was, like, a battle in the spiritual realm for my daughter's life, but I already felt like I knew the outcome. Like, I knew that she was going to be okay. So it was well, really, it was a really odd experience to hold both of those, like, the fear and the, the hope. Holy Wild Birth is a podcast embracing the reclamation of giving birth rooted in God's original design, undisturbed. Here, we share helper stories highlighting God's presence as the great midwife, as well as conversations about all aspects of a holistic, spirit-led childbearing year. From the perspectives of myself, traditional midwife Lauren Hall of Rooted in Eden Private Contract Association, and me, holistic doula and birth keeper Brooke Collier of Sister Birth. To choose a holy wild birth journey is to consecrate all your decisions unto the Lord. And to reclaim creation unadulterated by centuries of human attempts to control and improve upon what God has already called good. Please remember, birth is not a medical event, but a natural process. We are not your care providers, and this should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to another episode of Holy Wild Birth. On today's episode, I have Allie with me. Allie worked with me in Embrace Birth Journey um, when she was very, barely pregnant, and I got to walk with her through the miscarriage, the rainbow pregnancy and baby, and birth experience and postpartum NICU experience that she's going to talk about on this episode. She's going to walk us through all of it, the entire year of grief and loss, followed by hope and triumph, followed by challenges that she had to learn to overcome, and all of the beautiful life lessons she gathered through that process about acceptance and advocacy and trusting God. So I hope you'll get a cup of something warm to drink. Sit down and enjoy Allie's story. As we dive into today's birth story, just a reminder that the choices and beliefs of the mamas sharing their stories here are as individual and varied as the storyteller herself and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or recommended actions of Lauren and or Brooke. Well, hey there, Allie. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming on the podcast with me. Absolutely. I'm really excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, so I am going to refrain from introducing you for you, and I'm going to ask you to do that first. If you just want to tell the listeners just a little bit about you, where you live, your family, and some things you care about in this world, be- even besides birth, because that's a given. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Allie. Um, I live in Canada. Um, for those of you who are familiar with geography, that would be Calgary, Alberta, close to Banff. Um, I'm married to my wonderful husband. Uh, it'll be ooh, four years <laughs> in July. And uh, we have a daughter that was born in December. I'm a former healthcare worker, so it's odd that I'm here sharing my homework. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a weirdo. Um, and 
And as far as like interests and stuff, that's completely changed since I've had a child. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. have one for the things I used to do. And <laughs> so we're just reframing who I am now and mm-hmm. you know, what that looks like. But still love to be yeah. outside. That is still a big part of my life. Yeah. Oh man, that just makes me, this is such a side tangent, but it just brings back, I so keenly remember that after the first baby, all the identity, like, what am I? Who am I? What do I care about? Like, just all the reorienting of identity and like time and yeah, it's so intense. That first baby, it's so intense. Yeah. And and it's, and it's good ultimately, but it can be kind of hard. So you're in the thick of that still and yeah, but it'll come back. A lot of the things you love to do before will they'll come back online, or some you'll just decide you don't care about anymore, and that's okay too. Anyway, well, <laughs> where should we start your birth story? I think you said you wanted to kind of back it up a bit to kind of like the beginning of your journey into motherhood, and I would love for you to start there. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, let me pull up my notes. Um. So when my husband and I got married we prayed about when we were gonna grow our family and we kind of landed on when he would finish up his schooling and that happened to be um october of 2021 so a year and a bit ago um and right around then i was scrolling through our google calendar to input a wedding and I saw a date in late March and Dylan had wrote, my husband had wrote, make a baby. He'd created an event. <laughs> no way. In the, at the, near the end, yeah. Near the end of March. And I was like, oh, Dylan, he never adds events. And so I was like, what on earth? And he's like, I don't remember putting that in there. <laughs> I must've done it as a joke. <laughs> so I was like, okay, why don't we wait till March and just go with it? And so, <laughs> too funny yeah um and then surprise we got a pregnancy positive pregnancy test in january actually um so that was yeah sooner than expected but definitely welcome and um so yeah first baby super stoked super excited i told everybody before you Mm -hmm. know you're supposed to you're supposed to wait um (laughs) Yeah, whoever made that rule. Yeah, and I didn't want to live in fear, so I told everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I don't remember how far along I was when I started. Oh, I found you, first of all, (laughs) during that time, which was very exciting. Um, Through one of my live workshops, right? Sister birth. I think you came to one of my live Um, workshops and then. I followed your Facebook group. No, I had followed your Facebook group for years because I was interested in home birth. And then I made a post being like, hey, I'm finally pregnant. What are some resources? And you're like, hey, come join my, my group. And so. <laughs> oh, it was that. Oh, how funny. That was oh, one yeah, of my self-promotion moments. And, and you oh, went for it, which I'm so glad you did. <laughs> um, and then I think I was around six, five or six weeks pregnant and I started spotting pretty consistently, um, which, yeah, 
that's the first time mom i was a little concerned and you know yeah. google isn't very helpful it's like oh it's normal but you could also be miscarrying yeah um, <laughs> so i just had to like sit in this really uncomfortableness of like i don't i don't know what's what's going on and i don't want to go get an ultrasound and because i don't i prayed about it. i don't believe that that is what is needed for me but it was still like that tension of not knowing was was very very hard um and then i went to of late february i went to um an event with my church and worship was going on there was a woman who oh gosh this takes there's a woman who was crying she was grieving the loss of her husband and her husband mm. reminded me of my um adoptive father who passed away mm. and i remember thinking watching her grieve i remember thinking oh i wonder i wonder how my father would have reacted to having a grandchild he wasn't a great father but i thought about mm. him as a grandfather and i yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was a really beautiful image. And then I felt the Lord speak to me and say, told me that your son is in heaven with your father. And mm. that was, like, I heard it, but I didn't want to believe it. So I just, like, lived in denial for another couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was about another week or two. And then continually spotting and finally emotionally I just couldn't handle it anymore and I woke up at midnight one morning and I couldn't sleep and I laid on the couch and I was like Lord I can't handle this anymore if this baby is not meant to be here then I would would really like for it just to be you know for this process to start yeah and um and that morning I finally went to sleep that morning I woke up and the miscarriage had started um, mm. which was really it was really really hard for me I think it hits I think even you I, when we talked about it you said it, it kind of hits differently when it's your when it's your first pregnancy have it end yeah that way and have it end that soon First, I'm just so sorry that that had to be your introduction to parenthood because that's not a fun way to start one's motherhood journey. It's the way that mine started as well, which I think I shared with you at the time. But yeah, it's it's not the way that anyone wants to start their journey into motherhood. So no, no, because it it kind of it just yeah gives you a different it taints the experience a little bit. It you're reminded of the, of the fragility of life mm-hmm. or you feel like you're ready for that lesson. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. It was significant for me for many, in many ways. One, because with my past, I have a history of when things, emotional things happen to me or really hard things happen to me. I tend to put a wall up and kind of run away. But this was the first time in my life that I remember just opening up my arms to the Lord and 
and welcoming that pain into my life mm. and just experiencing it fully for what it was and it was really really hard but yeah it was also really really good because I could feel the Lord comforting me in those moments mm. and speaking to me into my heart really deeply and yeah 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 well i just felt like i was fully able to embody and experience that moment hmm. what a gift mm -hmm. yeah Which you wouldn't <laughs> the you think miscarriage you don't think the word gift usually like those two don't tend to exist together. no but but it's been my experience also that the Lord seems especially near in those moments. And I can't tell you how many women have shared similar things with me about their losses were a moment where they felt Jesus closer than maybe ever. So I just, I feel like that says so much about how, how much he cares for even the lives of our unborn children. Like even that he went ahead of you and told you like your son is in heaven with your dad. Like, he didn't say your embryo or your fetus, your son. Yeah. Like, the, the honor and the weight on that um, mm -hmm. is so kind and shows so much how he cares. Yeah, and it was even another layer of healing and, and processing the loss of, of my dad. I, because we didn't have much of a relationship, I hadn't thought of him much at all since he passed. And then mm -hmm. for that to come up in that moment was really, it was really neat. And to imagine him as a grandfather was very, was very healing for me, like another layer of healing mm -hmm. in that area of my life. Mm -hmm. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He, none of that was wasted. Like I'm <laughs> like, God used even that for some really specifically beautiful purposes in your heart. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love how we're like 10 minutes into our recording and we're both in tears already, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it happened, started happening on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And so then when the weekend, my husband continued to go to work and uh, I was unemployed. So that was fantastic to not have to worry about anything. Um, so then the weekend rolled around and we walked, we lived near a river. And so we walked down to the river and uh, just held a little memorial for between the two of us, which was really beautiful. And this little bird flew and hung out like came up right next to me which was it just felt like the spirit of god was was with us in that moment and we were able to name our son jack mm -hmm. and say goodbye and yeah kind of i don't know i want to say like wrap it up in a bow but <laughs> it doesn't make much sense <laughs> just yeah. kind of put like a finality to that yeah like mark that moment and mark your son's life yeah, yeah. embrace mm -hmm. it for what it was and yeah and 
afterwards I I sought out I have a I call her my spiritual mom she mentors me and she's a prayer warrior in my life and so I visited her shortly after and we prayed through any residual grief and stuff and I felt that the Lord was like okay your womb is ready and it's you know, open for mm. business and it's gonna happen again really quick and I'm like okay <laughs> now it's the middle of February and um the my for those of you that track your fertility I was tracking my cervical fluid and it was unreal like I, <laughs> really I, good like, best quality cervical mucus yes <laughs> and uh we conceived right away and it was I didn't I don't know the exact date that my husband put in that make a baby date because I deleted it after I got pregnant with my first baby oh. but it was around that time like really March yeah so that was interesting I, just, I had to throw that in there because I thought it was really cool <laughs> that is really cool I love stuff like that hmm. yeah so you did end up conceiving around the time that your husband scheduled it <laughs> and you were already <laughs> you're already in embrace birth journey I remember. So I remember rejoicing with you at that, like, yeah. like, yeah. 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 So, yep. um, and then move it, journeying into the next pregnancy. I'm really, really happy that I was able to fully embrace my loss because I was fully ready to embrace a new life in that pregnancy. Um, I moved into it without any fear. I didn't, we didn't tell everyone like we did the first time simply because I was like, well, no one needs to go on that emotional roller coaster with us again. Mm. <laughs> Cause we had told everyone that we were pregnant and then that we had a loss and then got pregnant again right away. So anyways, but yeah, that first trimester, I didn't have any fear going into it and I had a pretty uneventful pregnancy. Yeah. And, uh, I remember you saying how good you felt. Like, you you seem to feel better yeah, than most. Until, like, yeah. like, the very end, I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> That's so awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, tell us, too, um, what form, if any, um, prenatal care did you seek out for your pregnancy? Oh, yeah. What did that look like? Um, so here in Canada, it depends on your province, but if you have midwives, it's either illegal to be a midwife or they are licensed midwives. So we did manage to find a traditional midwife in our area. Um, of course, she's quite pricey to preface um, public health care. Midwives are free here. Um, mm -hmm. So she was quite pricey and the Lord led us to purchase a house while I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think we can budget numbers wise. And so we, you know, I don't think I prayed about it, which is the unfortunate part. I think I was led by my fear to, mm. to go with the licensed midwives, but that's what I ended up going with. And I was confident with the knowledge that I was gaining in embrace birth 
uh, journey and what I had learned on my own previously that I could I could navigate that situation yeah confidently. and I did like I declined mm-hmm. pretty much everything and <laughs> yeah um, I just happened to find a good birth team so that was really fortunate um, and I did you- I did well actually no I did lead no, sorry, you'll have to edit this out. <laughs> I did worry about it a little bit because I, I got accepted into three different um and to three different teams because you just apply to like a central thingy and then they match you with okay. um you can't really interview and pick your midwife here. Mm. Um so yeah, three teams reached out to me probably because I really loaded my um, profile in with a lot of stuff about home birth and they don't get to attend a lot of home births. Um, uh, so most of the midwives there, <laughs> they work in the hospital, not primarily at home. So it's more integrated to the medical system. Yeah, because it's, it's, whatever, it's whatever the mother chooses and the majority of mothers still choose hospital births, but they've heard okay. that old midwifery care is, you know more comprehensive and so they go that route gotcha Um, okay yeah so I I interviewed I tried to interview three teams and the Lord clearly led me away from one so you said no to those ones Mm -hmm. and then did you have a clear winner between the two that were left (laughs) Uh, my chiropractor had an experience with the team that I went with and she said that they were very hands off and that's what I was kind of looking for. And yep. I was looking for someone that would be comfortable with that. Because um, mm-hmm. ultimately they have, they also, because they're registered, they, excuse me, they have to answer to a, a board. Okay. So I just managed to find a team that was like, we're comfortable doing this, but because we are responsible to our certifying body we just need to sign, you know our responsibility away so you just you sign this saying that you're taking on responsibility we've discussed the risks and the benefits and yeah then if something does happen we're not no longer liable if sure things should happen so i was comfortable with that and they seemed okay with that um we had a few bumps along the way but um Overall, I think I think it went pretty good, the prenatal care. So I think I've lost you. I think you're frozen. Oh, there you are. Are you back? Allie? Yeah, sorry, you froze too. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. But we're back. Okay. I'll just edit that out later. No problem. That's the beauty of podcast. You can just go back and. <laughs> yeah, it's time consuming, but it is possible. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So you were able to sign off on a lot of things and they were cool with it. So you just had to sign a lot of waivers <laughs> through your pregnancy. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. I guess that's the price you get for it being cost free <laughs> cost free with some strings attached yep yeah. <laughs> uh-huh 
great and not so great. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. I know sometimes here in the US we we get like jealous of the Canadians because of you guys' like free healthcare. But then as I've gotten to know you and a couple other Canadians through this program, I think, well, there's some strings attached. Maybe it's not quite as good as it seems. <laughs> but yeah. So who else did you pick for your birth team? Um Oh yeah, so I had a I had a doula um, who ended up not being able to attend the birth. She sent a backup in her stead, which was not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but then I also decided to I read the book um, Holy Labor. Yeah, and that really shifted my that was like the main event in my pregnancy. It really shifted my perspective to having a more spirit-led pregnancy and delivery. And so at that point, I was like, okay, God, like this is kind of, you know, this is kind of what I want. And but I'm I'm leaving this open in your hands for whatever outcome. Um and I actually did this book study with my spiritual mentor. And I asked her when we finished, I was like, would you like to be at my birth? Like I would love to be covered in prayer during this moment yeah and so that i'm so glad i made that call because like the lord was really impressing on my heart to invite her into that space and i'm very very glad that i did it made all the difference in the world <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's so good especially like you know lauren and i talk on this podcast pretty often about how ideally your midwife's role is to also be like a gatekeeper spiritually and to intercede but we can't always have the luxury of a midwife who follows Jesus or sees that as part of her job. So when you can invite another person and kind of fill that role for you, I think it's, it's a really important role. Really important. Yeah. So I love that you had her and that she was able to say yes. Yeah. No, I'm really, I'm really thankful for that as well. And, uh, Yeah, so I guess we can move on to the actual birth story. Sure. Really sure about pregnancy. <laughs> okay, I mean that's awesome. Yeah. It was pretty smooth. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, birth was long and hard. Um, so I think I made up for it for not having a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I started having contractions like Friday at at midnight, and. Like it was really early labor, but they were, and you're supposed to relax and sleep, but they were really bothering me. And so I was awake for most of the night. And I think I was probably able to have a nap around Friday afternoon. Um, but they just kept kind of going all day. Um, and then Saturday around midnight, um, Things picked up again. Contractions were really long and felt really intense for me, but they were still quite far apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a first-time mom here, so I'm like, I this is an entirely new sensation. I don't know what's happening. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> this is really uncomfortable. Not even just really uncomfortable. It was really, really painful for me. Definitely not um, 
what I witnessed in some of those birthing videos I saw of like gentle moans and yeah sneezing the baby out (laughs) so serene and yeah yeah um so yeah I paced the living room until about 3 a.m and then managed to sleep for a couple hours but maybe like two and I then I got up because it was just too much I was like Kate I'm gonna get in the bath um at this point, I'm vocalizing like super loudly, but they're still very far apart. <laughs> um, so I'm already, yeah, like emotionally wise, I'm already feeling like, oh, how am I going to do this? So I get my husband to call my spiritual mentor and she, um, yeah, she arrives and she was just basically her prayer and her scripture was what got me through the next Hmm. forever. Um, I don't have much else to share about the actual labor because it was just long and hard. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there weren't any like key moments that jump out at you as like, that was a pivotal moment or that was an extra hard moment or did you just kind of get lost in this timeless space of just dealing with each contraction as it came? And yeah, it did. It did feel, yeah, I had no concept of time. Um, But, yeah, they were nothing, and we tried everything. Like, nothing worked to take the edge off. Um, Mm. So by Saturday, I think it was Saturday night. uh, Yeah. Saturday night, because I remember being super depressed that the sun was setting again. And I was yeah. still in pain and still like no sign of a baby. <laughs> um, I was exhausted. I hadn't slept much. I was roaring so loudly that like I was, people were making sure I was staying hydrated between contractions, but it didn't seem to matter. My lips were parched. My heart, my throat hurt. I didn't want to eat. Um, so I started becoming like once the sun set again, I started becoming concerned that I wouldn't have the energy to finish. Yeah. Um, and I, because I wasn't being checked, like I wouldn't, wasn't having any cervical checks. I had no idea how far along I was. I just felt like it's all pain. I can't tell if there's any progress. Um, yeah. Were your midwives present at this point? they were here at this point i don't remember when we called them i don't remember when we called the doula they came at some point (laughs) blur yeah okay Um, but i remember it was around the time i started to feel like okay i'm a little bit concerned about my stamina here and that my midwife voiced the same concern and Hmm. um i agreed to a cervical check at that um kudos to the midwife she really made sure that there was informed consent and that i had time to think through that decision um good so i was checked and i was eight centimeters and fully a face so yay <laughs> <laughs> must have felt so, so good to hear uh, that yes i was very nervous i'd be stuck at like three or something <laughs> uh-huh um so after that, um, 
my midwife told me to imagine my cervix melting with each contraction. I think at this point, I finally accepted that I wouldn't be birthing like some of the videos I had watched and um, that I had to embrace this physical pain to actually get through it. So with each mm. contraction, I just embraced as painful as it was. I just embraced it and imagined my cervix melting like butter. Love it. And then we finally, well, just from the noises I was making, they were like, oh, I think you're making some progress. <laughs> and then um, it felt like several hours went by. I don't know how long it actually was. Um, but at 22:36, my midwife broke my water again. It was all very informed consent. It was something that I wanted to do. I think it was more psychological for me. Anyway, it's just like, okay, this this broke. Now things can move faster. Yeah. Well, and physically, there's some reason for that too, right? Because then you're removing some more of the what has to come down and through. And th things do tend to speed up significantly after waters have ruptured. So, yeah. Yeah, so, which is funny because I looked over my birth notes because I've been telling everyone I was pushing for four hours and that it was hours and hours and hours after my water broke that um, I gave birth. Um, but at midnight, I the record says I was fully dilated. I wasn't checked, so she must have been guessing just for the sake of her paperwork stuff. Yeah. And then I started pushing around uh 12:30 a.m. and baby was born at 122. So <laughs> that is not 4 hours. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Too funny. I probably felt like 4 hours. <laughs> felt like eternity. I even I asked my husband. I was like, "Did it not feel like forever?" And he's like, "Yes. It felt like an eternity." <laughs> oh my word. How interesting. Yeah. So but I, I really like pushing. I felt like it was finally, like finally the, there was progress being made. And it wasn't, it was really hard work, but it wasn't as painful, which was really yep. encouraging for me. I got like a second wave of energy and I just, I just wrote it. It was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. My midwife told me to wait until the urge to push was so unbearable that I couldn't um resist it and so I began to work with that and because I was so excited I decided to experiment a little I pushed with the contraction but then also pushed in my own strength and I was just I was just struck by mm -hmm. how different that is like the pushes I did on my own were completely useless they made no oh like between contractions you you tried yeah, to push between. Yeah. So I would try and just push, like, yeah, push with like my ab muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I've never tried that. I, was like, oh, I, can, I can feel the baby moving. This is amazing. Let's just try and move it faster. And yeah, like, nah. Nope. And later I thought about women who don't have the opportunity to work with their body, and like, wow, and like, no wonder. That must be so hard and how much damage that would do mm. to your body not being able to work with with those contractions 
but yeah, so I just quickly ditched that route and I trusted that God would be directing my body. Yes. And yep, I could feel her head came down, the ring of fire, and I was so proud of myself. I was able to slow down and just allow the tissues to stretch. I was like, yes, good job. First time mama. <laughs> Seriously. That's great. Yeah. So once her head came out, woof, the rest of her body flew out and I, I was in the pool at that point so I immediately picked her up mm. her eyes were open and I just that first look is so cool she looked really surprised to be there like what, <laughs> <laughs> what just happened to me <sighs> um that moment was was really really cool I'll remember that forever yeah um but then as as you know you've heard this story before then things very quickly divulged into absolute chaos from there um so like right after that moment where we locked eyes i knew that something wasn't quite right like mm-hmm. my daughter she was alert trying to breathe but couldn't quite get her breath out um yeah my first instinct was to suction her nose like put my mouth on her nose and suck out all the snot but at that point um this backup midwife had arrived and i didn't know who she was and hmm. like I, in that moment, I second guessed myself, um, and became like I became worried about what they would think or how they would react, um, which is interesting because I learned later that the backup midwife is super intervention loving. So, oh, I wonder if I just like felt her need hmm. to jump in there and do her thing. But, um, yeah. So the midwives went to work and they gave her breath. Um, there were no improvements, so the cord was cut at around four minutes, um, and they brought her over to the couch, and they suctioned her out, gave her oxygen, and they called 911. Um, Hmm. so at this point, yeah, I'm just sitting in the pool. I was in this, I was in a really weird headspace while this was happening. First, I felt like my head was kind of like in a mist, like in the clouds. Um, like I was in no position at all to make any thought, well thought out cognitive decisions. But yeah, in that space, like I was, um, like I could feel the fear in the room, but it wasn't like I was not in fear. Mm-hmm. Um. I was not scared. I could sense that there was like a battle in the spiritual realm for my daughter's life, but I already felt like I knew the outcome. Like I knew that she was going to be okay. So it was really, it was a really odd experience to hold both of those, like the fear and the the hope in one moment together. (laughs) Um, And I was like, I was completely at peace, which was a very weird space to be in while your baby is away from you. being worked on and the ambulance is coming um yeah um then ems came and it was so it was so chaotic my midwife came to me and was like we gotta get your placenta out now it's not the time to wait for it and i was like okay (laughs) so she jabbed my arm with oxytocin and stood up and fell out of me um and then 
I was told I had to get my clothes on and <laughs> somehow I managed to get dressed. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Um, and why were they trying to get you to get your clothes on that quickly? Is it because you needed to go with your baby somewhere? Because, yes. So, and this is when things get really, like, less than ideal. So, they, I found out later, like, in the moment, I had no idea what was going on. I was just doing what I was told. I was, like I said, I was in no state to think anything through. Um, They actually had... Uh, my baby stabilized prior to EMS arriving, but as per their protocol, they had to transfer her to the postpartum unit at the local hospital um, for observation. So I didn't know that at the time. um, Because again, it was all very confusing. I remember they, before they left, they brought her up to me. Um, I was able to hold her. They were in no rush. Um, hmm. yeah, like I, I just, that was the one thing I, I just wish I could have prepared myself for. Cause I, if I could go back in time, which we can't, I would have declined the EMS transfer. Mm. Point, she had been fine. Um, so she had come around, she was crying vigorously, responding well, breathing on her own, but they, at this point just yeah. wanted to observe her. And so there was this kind of like, let's get you out the door also so you can go with her. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, as you know, because they're, um, because they're regulated midwives, like they have certain standard processes to do. And because I hadn't specified, because I wasn't anticipating <laughs> yeah. a hospital transfer, I hadn't specified. I specified, um, in regards to me, but I hadn't thought about a NICU experience. Um, yeah, so I was able to hold her, um, and I asked if if I could ride in the because they're like, okay, we've got to go, and so I asked if I could ride in the ambulance with her, and they said no. And I asked them why, and they said, oh, in case we have to do a procedure on her, which just ugh. yeah does it still doesn't sit well with me everyone I tell is absolutely shocked in hindsight I'm not shocked I worked in the system I know I know how it is so <laughs> well it's that way here too for whatever it's worth like they don't routinely let yeah. moms ride in ambulances with babies at home birth transfers and I've always thought it is ridiculous but that is like the just their protocol and they're not flexible about it so and it's so ironic because we, you and I know that your baby being close to mom, like skin to skin is actually very protective for the baby for regulating body temperature and heart rate and respiration. So why are we separating them for the ambulance ride? It doesn't because make when sense. We got there, by the time we had arrived at the hospital, she'd been, tra- um, they had brought her up to postpartum and they immediately transferred her to the NICU because she had started breathing rapidly. Mm. and so it's like well I mean we'll never know but there's always gonna be a part of me that would wonder like well what if we hadn't been separated would that have even happened Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so I don't know how much you want to chat about 
that experience. <laughs> yeah. And the NICU thing. Um, yeah, I would love for you to say as much or as little about it as you feel led to say right now. Um, I think I'm glad you're bringing it up because I, what you said earlier, like you had thought about transfer for yourself, like what if you need to go in for a bleeding or a tear probably, but you hadn't necessarily thought about what that might be if your baby needed the transfer and how to navigate NICU. And I think yeah. you're definitely not alone. Um, I don't think most of us home birth moms have really thought through that or even know where to start thinking through that. And so you got kind of thrust into that situation with very little premeditated like plan of how you would approach it. And um, I I know it was rough and I know it's still relatively fresh for you, um, but I'm wondering if you might have some nuggets of of just insight or wisdom that um, embedded in that story. But yeah, I would love to hear how that was for you and um, what you would advise other moms to think about even if that they find themselves in a similar situation. So are you cut out? What did you say? I cut out. Yeah. I just invited you to share um, a little bit about what that experience was like for you and any words of wisdom you might have for other moms who might find themselves in that situation, NICU situation. Mm -hmm. Share as much or as little as you want. Yeah, I guess I can start with. I can start with the um, words of wisdom. Um, Mm -hmm. The main one I would say is to. During your pregnancy journey, really just pay attention to what the Lord is saying to you, and don't Mm -hmm. ignore the little promptings. Because I had two, and well, sorry, three Mm -hmm. in total. One I listened to, and two I was like, meh. I'm not going to need that. Um, <laughs> one, the one I did was pack a hospital bag, um, which I'm very glad I did. Um, and the other two, I, w- I felt prompted to collect colostrum and I didn't do it. And I felt when it came around time to, to test for a groupie strep, my midwife was totally fine with me not doing it. But she brought a different perspective forward of, you know, sometimes moms just get swabbed because if your baby gets transferred and they don't know your status, they'll treat the baby as though they've been exposed. Yep. And you'll be very hard pressed to get them off those antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I was like, yeah, I don't think I need to do that. But I felt I did. I felt that prompting that maybe, maybe you should do this. Um, so that would be the main piece of wisdom. And then, yeah, for during the NICU stay, again, just to be really prayerful because one of the things that the main struggle that I had in that time was having worked in the hospital and having heard stories come out of, I mean, they call it medical kidnapping. That's not what the hospital would label it as. If the the parents do not agree with the course of treatment for a child, then there is the possibility that the hospital could take temporary custody of your child. And the recent story that happened, it happened Mm -hmm. in my third trimester. So 
quite quickly, quite soon to my experience. A mom declined antibiotics, and not only did the hospital take custody of her child, she was also banned from visiting her child. Oh, my word. Are so, you kidding? I mean, there's a little bit more nuance to that story, um, of course, that I can't cover here. But mm-hmm. that, as I entered that NICU experience, that was in the back of my head. Of mm. how, like, how do I advocate for my daughter, but also continue to be present in her life. (laughs) Yep. Like to push just enough, but not too much to get like flagged as one of those moms who isn't a fit parent, essentially. And, and you're already coming in being flagged because, you know, they see the worst of the worst. So home births are already frowned upon Mm -hmm. there. They brought up the water birth, it felt like they brought up the water birth every possible time that they could. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was vindictive or not, but it certainly didn't feel good for me yeah. sitting there already feeling very vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. And just to be reminded that, hey, this, these are, this is what, like, this, this is how these people see you is dangerous and neglectful already. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would. That's what I'd have to say about that. Like, mm-hmm. I wish I didn't have to say tread carefully, but that's kind of what I would. That's real. No, I think that's really good advice. Um, and that's also, I want to just point out, like, really hard advice to follow. And I remember even talking with you when you were in the middle of this NICU thing, and you had some strong hunches about what your daughter needed. And you were like, how do I push for that? but not get, yeah, not get in trouble. And then also on top of that, you have postpartum hormones. So here, you, like, it's so vulnerable because you have just given birth. Your body is tender and sore. Your emotions are all over the place because of hormones and the fact that your baby even has to be in the NICU in the first place. And then on top of that, you're having to, like, try to follow your mother's intuition while also not making a misstep that would end up in you getting punished for it. And that's hecka hard. Yeah. yeah. And not even me being punished for it. Because ultimately, if I like if I had been my husband and I had been banned from visiting, that would have negatively affected her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Affected me. Like, yep. <laughs> I'm an adult. I can recover like I can I know how to go and take care mm. of myself after that. A child is not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the hormones, um, one day in particular that was very challenging um, was the day that my milk came in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It was also, uh, for a lot of people, it can be a very emotional time, as you stated in your course, like, just expect that it could happen. Um, Yeah. And that day, we I got to hold my daughter, not for the first time, but we got to hold her, and she was finally free of all her breathing tubes and stuff, mm. and we got to try breastfeeding. Yay! Finally, mm-hmm. I've been waiting for this moment, and her um, umbilical... What's the word? Umbilical mm. uh, IV yeah. line oh, yeah. got jostled during that process. 
and when they found that out like they freaked out they took her away from me and said you can't hold her you can't breastfeed her (laughs) and (laughs) they'd put the iv in the umbilical cord because they had wanted it to last longer it lasts longer than it does in the vein Mm -hmm. so and they just put it in that morning so i was like i don't know when i'm gonna be able to hold my daughter again like my heart coincide with coincide with milk coming in so already very strong emotional response it was horrible yeah (laughs) i yeah I have no words. I don't wish that experience on anybody. No. Yeah. No, it's so inconsiderate of a mother. Like, it feels like NICUs are not designed to even think about what mothers need and the fact that they just gave birth and that they might need to lay down and that they need to hold their babies (laughs) and that the babies need to be held. It's Some of the nurses were kind of trying to think about me. They would always reassure me like oh you can go home and have a nap and have a shower and things will be okay here like i don't want to go home right (laughs) why are you (laughs) anyways it was yeah yeah, they definitely do not consider the whole family unit as part of that experience um Mm -hmm. i expressed several concerns about um breastfeeding because she had to be there for seven days because of antibiotics <clears throat> um which i did not agree with her cultures were negative but again it was that really sticky point of how far do you push yeah um, yeah i had expressed expressed concerns they were going to bottle feed her <clears throat> and i you know i was like okay hey, well i don't know any mom who's been breastfed successfully coming out of the NICU and now her nipple confusion like how can you how can we navigate around this and I was told um you can work it out when you get home wow that's the best they can do huh which yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it just I don't know, the whole experience just really opened my eyes to I don't know. I guess it was a jump start into how hard being a parent is. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And all the forces that can oppose um your God given natural instincts and yeah, it was it was just really challenging so challenging and as I listen to you tell that story and as I've listened to other friends tell their NICU stories the the tone the vibe is almost like whose baby is this <laughs> like yeah it's almost like they have become the authority and the parent and you end up having to ask permission to do for your child yeah. what you instinctively desire and need to do mm-hmm. um and it's just so hard to yeah yeah, that was very much our experience and it ingrained so deeply on me that when we finally left the hospital, I called my mom. I was like, mom, I, I don't think I can do this. Can you come over? 
mm-hmm. and she actually she spent the night with us and which was really good because the last few days I wasn't sleeping at all so she would take Abby my daughter and while she slept and I would sleep and then she'd wake up and cry and she'd bring her to me and she'd sit with me while I tried breastfeeding and she'd give me water and um, tell me what a good job I was doing and I, I really I really needed that after that week like it my confidence was completely completely eroded <laughs> yeah from that <clears throat> Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that all happened. I'm like on the one hand so grateful that um that Abby's okay and that they were able to help make sure she was stabilized. It just seems like there's so many things that could be improved about the road road to getting her home. And yeah. You have this powerful moment in your actual birth of which is a moment where I think um, we get a boost of confidence in our ability to parent our child. It's like, I just did that. I birthed my baby myself. And then the NICU kind of came in inadvertently took that back from you and un- undid some of the powerful stuff that you got through your birthing moment. Sorry, I missed a chunk of that. it's okay I suspected because I saw it was frozen um I was just saying how you you have this powerful moment of like actual birthing your baby and that's the moment that gives you so much confidence as a mom like I just did that Mm -hmm. and you so you enter your motherhood with this this power and then you Mm -hmm. come crashing down into NICU and they kind of like take it back (laughs) it's not their intention but like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah. Well, I just want to say as somebody who's had the privilege of getting to walk with you virtually through a lot of this and even since you got home from NICU, I I feel like you've regained your ground and your power and you are a really powerful, powerful mom with amazing instincts and such a sweet bond with Abby and um, like by God's grace and your diligence to to do the work, like you're doing it and you are breastfeeding, right? Spoiler alert. Like, yes. <laughs> you made it over that hurdle. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> uh-huh. So good. It is possible. Don't let them mm-hmm. get you down. <laughs> yeah, that's a good message too. Um, I also just wanted to piggyback on something you said earlier about listening to that little voice. Um. Because it's like, it's true. There's things that we say in natural childbirth education about like, in general, you probably don't need to do the group B, group B test because it's kind of nonsense. And in general, you probably don't really need to collect colostrum because your baby's going to get it right out of your breast. Right? Like, and those are like generally good counsel. It's like fine advice. But, but if you sense the Holy Spirit saying, actually, in your case, for you it would be a good idea to do this. Like that has to be what we listen to more than the general good advice. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, I really, I love that you brought that up. That's an excellent and noteworthy take home message. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every, yeah, every birth and every baby is so different that you really, 
you really have to just listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you about your specific situation. And even if it doesn't make any sense, even if you're like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Why would I need to do that? Just, yeah, just do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds it's easier said than done, but it is. I, yeah, I strongly encourage everyone to just, just listen to that voice and, um, and to follow through. Yeah. Because in case our listeners don't know or hadn't put that together, like had you had the group B strep results and they were negative, that might have eliminated some or all of the kind of antibiotic interventions. Separate and then the colostrum would have like yeah. given Separate given her an option yeah. to to drink your yeah. colostrum. Yeah, I was still able to collect colostrum in the hospital. Um but again, because I hadn't educated myself at all, I'd educated myself a lot on breastfeeding, but not a lot on nothing on pumping or colostrum collecting, really. So that was a huge learning curve I had to go through because we got to the hospital at like three in the morning. So by the time Abby, act- my daughter actually got colostrum, it would have been like six to 10 hours versus okay. had it already been ready then she could have had a lot more to get her going. Sure. Yep. And I would have known how to do it instead of trying to figure it out with all these nurses and doctors watching me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, awkward. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, by the end I was like walking around topless. Modesty really went out the window. I did not care. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's your mother love too, right? It's like, I, I will be naked in front of these strangers if it means my daughter gets what she needs. <laughs> yep. Yep. <You're>, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Um, well, do you have any like kind of closing thoughts or you've already inserted a lot of nuggets along the way as we've gone, but I wanted to give you another chance if there's any other things you want to just kind of wrap up in summary to share with listeners. I mean, I have a lot more notes, but we could be here for another couple hours if I went over all those. So I feel like we've really (laughs) covered the broad scope of things. If there's any of those notes that are jumping off the page at you right now, you should go for it. I don't know how this will fit in, um, but another hard part about being in the NICU, I don't know how many people who haven't worked in the hospital know this, but having a history of working in healthcare, I know that the number one cause of death or injury in the hospital is medical error. So I don't know why I feel led to insert that. Because again, it's that hard dance of like, you you have to question what they're doing because it's so easy for them to make a mistake. Uh, but then again, it's that how far, how far do you push? Um, yeah you can i would say just ask a lot of questions in a very polite friendly tone just so you can understand what is going on so there's another extra set of eyeballs on what's going on um, yeah different perspective because that can sometimes be the difference between um like a serious event or a death i mean i don't want to put that out there but <laughs> that d word but um yeah it's 
it's very real and healthcare workers don't like to talk about it because but it's the truth um, mm-hmm. yeah no that's a great cautionary word thank you for sharing that especially from your insider perspective well I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on and share all of that like that whole journey of I love yeah, just it how God yeah it was quite the year for you like yeah and it's it all flows and some beautiful themes in there and um, a beautiful story of a maiden becoming a mother. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Holy Wild Birth. We hope that you were genuinely encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. If you're loving what you hear, please make sure that you share it leave reviews that helps other mamas find this content as well and don't forget to read the show notes okay because that's where you can find our email address if you want to reach out to us and start a conversation it's also where you'll find free offerings as well as invitations to work with me and or lauren we can't wait to get to know you see you next week bye